Did you know that the average human spends 92,000 hours at work during their lifetime? That's more than we spend eating, cleaning, driving, watching TV, or even surfing the internet. In fact, work is what we do most. It comes second only to sleeping. Welcome to 92,000 Hours, the podcast that believes in the integration of life and work. I'm your host, Annalisa Holcomb. Before we begin, I wanted to tell you a quick story about why this podcast is so personal to me. I began practicing law at age 26 and learned many valuable lessons, including that I was deeply unhappy at work. Although I was on a path that looked like traditional success, I realized that I needed to quit my job in order to align myself with my passion and purpose. Now I am dedicated to making sure all of our 92,000 hours at work are spent well instead of simply spent. How do we construct a working world that values and accommodates our humanity? How do we construct a life that is not separate from, but fueled by, the purpose we find in our work? In this podcast, we will explore those questions and more. In each episode, I will speak to someone that demonstrates meaning, passion, and purpose in their work. Join me in discovering what happens when we bring our whole selves to our work, schools, and communities. Today, I am joined by Sylvia Castro-Bennett. Sylvia is the Executive Director of the Suazo Business Center, a nonprofit business resource for Latino, Hispanic communities. Sylvia holds an MBA in International Business from the University of Utah. She also serves on the Utah Governor's COVID-19 Economic Task Force and the Multicultural Task Force. And on the date that this podcast will drop, she will be receiving the prestigious Pathfinder Award at the Salt Lake Chamber Women in Business Conference. Today we will be discussing priorities, how to stick to them, and how to give up perfection along the way. Sylvia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I gave you a heads up about this, but for every podcast, I, I want to start with this question, mm-hmm. which is my difficult question is really what, what I'm trying to do is take away the question that we always ask each other at the beginning when you meet someone, you say, oh, hi, what do you do? I want to talk about, oh, hi, who are you? Mm-hmm. And so oh, if you take out any references to any of that stuff I just talked about in your bio, to work, school, sports, volunteerism, church activity, any of those things that people often list on their resumes, mm-hmm. what is your greatest accomplishment as a human being? I ask my students this uh-huh. um, in interviews, and I tell them the answer that is the correct answer is the one that you would never say to in a job interview it's the one that might actually make your throat catch a little yeah that's the right one it's the stuff about what really matters to you but you know it's funny because usually when you talk about the greatest accomplishment people rattle off professional right accomplishments but um when the first reaction the first thing that popped into my head when you asked me that it's been a mom, mm-hmm. which is so cliche. I'm very unme when out in the public, because um, I'm used to kind of being this. I always wear this yes. hard ass <laughs> executive, no nonsense. That's like a public persona that you have. Uh, but 
the biggest thing in what drives me is really my daughter and becoming a mom which if you have told me that 20 years ago I will tell you you have the wrong person <laughs> it just changed you that Com- much yes motherhood. it changed me that much and and it, it really kind of and it's, you know as we're talking about priorities it really puts everything on its tail because even though I'm leading a nonprofit as a person everything comes from that spot mm. on at the end of the day who is priority number one right right that's awesome mm-hmm. what does it feel like to be a mom um it's the most awesome and scariest thing ever because <laughs> <laughs> i'm in, like in charge of a person yeah you know and especially i guess you know for, uh, thankfully she's five and a half the half is important um <laughs> especially to her oh yes um and, you know, the first two years, all, I can, all you can think of is, like, I can't kill this little person because they can't fend off themselves. <laughs> That's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> like, literally, I remember pulling away from the hospital after giving birth, and I went, I got to do this now? Like, I am, like, oh, crap. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's really this moment of sheer panic. Right. And then tell me about that... Um, and, and I'm just asking it because you talked about it in terms of, you know, your, this is your greatest accomplishment is this little person. Right. Um, how, how did you change? Because you came, you know, you're, you said 20 years ago, nobody would think that about you. What did, I would not think that about me. So <laughs> yeah. how are you different? Oh, vastly. Um, it really, um, Funny enough, I'm probably less intense because of it. Hmm. Um, I, I see people more. Like you're more accepting of other humans, maybe? Yes, I'm more accepting of more humans, but also I tended to... Sometimes I was so focus-driven, people went by the wayside. Yeah. I was so interested in the outcome. Sometimes people, people were just pushed to the side, which is not a good way to lead either. So in that sense, I think it made me a better leader because it made me read half, it softened me wow. to look at people. Wow, to, yeah. Um, I literally, um, this is what I talk about. I, six months after, you know, when Luna was six months, I actually called back my old assistant and I apologized. Really? Because I was, I had no idea. I did not understand. I should have been more kind to you. I should have been more flexible with you. I did not get it. Because she had been because she had, dealing with parenthood. Yeah, she had been dealing with parenthood and everything else. And I was, you know, and it's not like I was a, a horrible person, but I never truly understood it. I never truly understood the sacrifice, mm-hmm. what it is to work, be a working mom. Right. I just thought that's just the way you do and that's what you do. But I never really truly understood the sacrifice and how hard it is to be a working mom. Until then. I think that's really important. I have that in one of my questions I wanted to talk to you about, which is we talked about that we're going to talk about families or uh, talk about priorities. And and I think that there are so many of our listeners that would be interested in how we prioritize our whole lives. Mm -hmm. We end up talking about what to do. And we will talk about that today in terms of how to prioritize as a leader, as a boss, et cetera. But prioritizing... Um, your entire life I mean you've you've you're a mom you've you've been a single mom you have you know we hear that phrase like you can have it all 
and it provides so much stress for mm-hmm. uh, for people. I'm just interested in what you think about that, how we prior- how you have prioritized how. Right. Well, and this is where I mean you get the, the is it, first of all because I am an overachiever. It is mm-hmm. to begin with, and then throw in the mom mix to it. I had to let go of things for sanity's sake. <laughs> Did you try not to at the beginning? Yeah, I really thought I could pull it off. And um, I quickly find out on everybody around me that when I don't get sleep, I'm not very kind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think, I mean, the mommy guilt is so real. Mm. And even when, um, because I share, you know, custody with her dad. I the only I allow myself to work more when she's not with me. But when, when she's, even she could be at school or daycare or whatever, mommy girl's still there. Oh, maybe I'm missing out on her. I'm missing this out or, uh, and that was the biggest thing is trying to be like you know what, the best that I can do is good enough. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be perfect. Right. Um, I and the kind of I'm not. You don't have to prescribe to be a certain type of mom. The best I can do is the best mom that she that she can have. Right, right. But if I keep modeling myself after this, because you know, you see, now with social media, I think what's hard is the increased ability for you to compare yourself with other people. And you know, I have some friends that I call them the TV mom. That they have, you know, they decorate every holiday. <laughs> they go all out. And I'm just like, well, wow, how would it be? And I wanted to be that mom, but it's not me. Right. I have never been that person that decorates. So why change? Just why, because... but, I wanted, but I wanted to provide that experience of motherhood. But then like I, the, the magazine experience. Right, the magazine experience. But then I said, you know, it, doesn't, it kind of sure changes her and me. Yeah. Because I'm beca- it's not who I am. And it's okay. There's different types of moms. And that's so important, right. the authenticity of your relationship with your kid. Right. But you, and that's, a lot of it is really that mommy guilt is you're supposed to fit this mom, this kind of this template, this yeah. way. And um, it, it, it's hard to just say, no, it's okay not to do that. Right. Um, but it took a while. <laughs> to get there and be okay with it. Um, and I, I mean, and I still, I experience mommy guilt every week, <laughs> either way, but it's kind of pushing back saying, good enough is fine. That's nice, you find a way to accept yourself in it. Yeah, but it's a constant struggle. Right. Um, all the time. Right, I would imagine. Right. Um, going back to a general overview of our topic about being priority, about that being priorities, and I think it's really interesting that you when I gave you the list of potential topics, you're like, this is the one. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's the one I have struggled the most with. Oh, that's a good, that's interesting. And I that's, think that, that's what I felt like I could talk a lot about it because it's something I have always struggled with. Right. As a woman, you tend to put other people ahead of you all the time. Yes. And that actually is part of the priorities. Because um, I, I, I'm interested in how, like, tell me about it when you felt that, when you heard the the language of it because I, I think about that I, I thought you know when you hear the word priorities how does it make you feel originally like I imagine some of the listeners hear that word and are feel, filled with like energy and empowerment yeah I'm going to prioritize and some people yeah, are filled with dread right. and anxiety where are you on that scale um, 
When I think of priority, I just keep thinking of yeah, that's my ongoing list of things to work on. Mm. So it's not like I'm excited. It's definitely not an exciting thing. I'm not terrified of it. It's just something I continuously work on. Right. Every day to me is it means work. <laughs> yeah, I believe that because I don't have it. I right. have to constantly check myself into it. I think um, in one of your bios, it talks about how you're bilingual and bicultural and how that's important to your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really interested in, um, in how we talk about prioritization um, from y- with you from your experience, um, both being and working with immigrants mm-hmm. and what that means to, uh, to us. So, like, tell me a little bit about what Swazo Center does. Talk about, mm-hmm. like, I'm really interested in how priorities so, line up. So, Swazo Business Center is an interest, is probably the only nonprofit I could work for, mm. which is because I've always been so business driven, entrepreneur. Um, there was a joke that I was biggest lover of capital, capitalism. <laughs> and I am. I love capitalism. Um, <laughs> But was in, and this is why SWAS is basically a nonprofit that focuses on economic development for the minority community. The only one doing so in the whole state. That's amazing. Um, you know, he, there's a lot of talk on demographics. Yes, you just you just a bit behind when it comes to diversity by population alone. But that's where the growth is coming. Right. But we are it when it comes to economic development. And it's a different business model too. We work a lot with immigrants in basically helping them transition to become more mainstream, to not have to work here, who know how to have successful business here. Um, we see a lot of immigrants who were a very successful entrepreneur in their countries, but what worked in their countries does not work here. Right, right. It's a different accounting system, different legal system, different everything. everything. Um, there's also the Utah component of it too. Business is done differently in Utah. Mm. Um, there's, and you have to learn about it. Yeah. Um, and, being, and what's interesting is, so when my family immigrated to Utah, I was 14. And it's an interesting paradigm. I was old enough to remember everything but I was young enough to take in the new. Mm. So I'm in this interesting spot. That's really great though. Yeah, I'm in this interesting spot where I see both sides of the coin. Right. I get it. Um, Because I technically am a first generation immigrant. Right. But the vast majority of my life has been spent here. Uh, Not to age myself. So basically (laughs) over like this, I actually made this comment on Facebook where out of, I mean, basically more than 20 years, almost 27 years of my life have been here. And, but I'm still an other. Wow. No matter what I do, and that's, and that's the thing is, I have come to just um, not embrace it, but just have peace with it. I'm always another, and it's fine. I'm okay with it now. What is that like? Um, well... There's negative, but then I started to see the positives, too. Um, I have found that everybody remembers me because I'm usually the only brown face in the room. I don't remember any of them, but they remember me. (laughs) 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 Um, That's good. um, The other thing, too, is I have been okay with pushing back. Because I have what I call the twofer. Not only am I a minority, but I'm also a woman. And there's a a role 
or uh, t- you know type of thing that is associated with me that usually I'm more okay with but I'm more okay with pushing back um, I think there was a study recently and I experienced this because I have seen this with some of my other Latina professionals we get interrupted more Wow um, so you have like Sandra Luces Camilla right mm-hmm. there was such a study on who gets interrupted more she tops it hands down no one in, even close. In terms of in people terms at the of, legislature? Yeah. She's a legislator herself. She's a senator. She's the most interrupted individual in the whole Senate. And she is the only female woman of color? She's not. But she's the only female senator. Wow. Female, um, the only Latina senator. And that, it was interesting. Actually, it was done by a Westminster uh, student. Wow. That... Uh, Luz told me about this. She said, you know, there was, I, I can actually confirm, I can actually, somebody has actually done the numbers and the research where I can be like, see who you are. Um, I knew it. I had a suspicion about it, but I had never had a f- literally confirmed with data. Wow. Um, I'm used to... What does that say about us? Um, I don't know if it, it's... I think there we, you know, there's always assumptions made, things like that. Uh, but then again, they're not used to pushback. So when there's pushback, what's interesting is it's a two-sided coin. Um, I have to be 200% better mm. than most people. So what they're not expecting is, number one, for me to push back. Number two, to have an opinion. Number three, that I'm actually have a smart opinion. And then went, oh, yeah, thank you for saying that. I'm used to being the person that says what everybody wants to say but doesn't. Because I figure, what do I have to lose? Wow. I get thanked for saying things that everybody else doesn't want to. Which is funny. That's what's funny to me. But you, but, but you learn to embrace that rather than shy be from. fearful right. of that. Because it will be, it's so easy to be quiet, but that doesn't get me anything. Hmm. Um, what's interesting to me is... When somebody thanks me for saying what everybody else says, I went, but you are free to say it. You actually have more freedom to say it. But it's funny that I have to be the one. Has that affected you in your professional life, well, either good or bad? Or um, It has been good. If it's bad, I'm in the wrong place. Yeah. And that's part of it is that if... That is, I'm in a space where that does not work. I have learned that that is not my space, and I just move on. Hmm. Um, and you have had that happen to you. In your yeah, life. I have had that happen, and I went, okay, so um, this is not a space that works for me, so just move on. There are so many other spaces to go to. There's so many other organizations, places. Um, where your difference and your ability is to contribute. Appreciate it. Yeah. Right. It's appreciated where it's not... Um, I, I don't dwell on it. I just I just think it's, it is what it is. I just work it. From your perspective of how you just talked about being the person who says the thing that other people are thinking, who have more freedom to speak about it, what would be better for people? I mean, what would you want for people who have the power and the privilege already mm-hmm. to be better allies to it's interesting because there's a lot of talk about privilege and a lot of talk about allies and it's crap. Hmm. I because here's the thing. For all the progressive talk about I don't know, um 
diversity. I have found that to never really mean anything. It, the only thing that changes is the term. Interesting. Um, That's really this is, interesting. This is, this is what the end of the day matters to me. It's what you do, not what you say. So, if you talk about diversity, how important it is to you, and I look at your staff and they all look the same, you have told me everything I need to know. Mm-hmm. So you actually don't mean that. Because the old argument that there's no qualified people is BS. There's plenty of qualified people, but it does not matter to you. But if I look at your executive cabinet, if you look at the people you surround yourself with, that's what really matters. So in spaces where, um, if I'm the only person of color in that room, that's not a means on you. It's right. not my job to enlighten you. It's my job to bring in an opinion based on my professional experience. I'm not here to be your wrong person of choice. Mm. It's not, it's not, it's so if when people actually talk to me about diversity, I don't want, I, I'm, like, I'm not your girl. It's I, if you want to talk to me about entrepreneurship, economic development, business development, I'm your girl. If this conversation has caught your attention and you want to join in on conversations like this, check out our website at connectioncollaborative.com. You're listening to 92,000 Hours, and today we are chatting with Sylvia Castro-Bennett. to somebody says it sounds to me like you're flirting with burnout this was about six months ago it's, it's, it was funny to me he's like I think you're flirting with burnout and I says I know I think we're in a full-fledged relationship by now <laughs> I'm not we're not flirting anymore it's a full-fledged relationship by now um and the biggest thing I had to drop is stop working weekends I was not stopping wow I went on uh what nine day vacation for the first time in almost two years I've been there. Wow. And it was glorious. And, and you didn't check your email? You didn't? Oh, well, I wouldn't go that far. But <laughs> I checked my email, but it was every three days. It was um, not every day. It wasn't it was, every hour. Right. And I, let, I, I also, part of prioritization is also having the trust and building up your staff to handle things so they're not depending on you. Yes. And, and that is definitely on the leader to... Right to provide that level of trust and right. authority for their staff. is if things can still run and they know what to do, I'm doing my job well. Right. I think people struggle with that. I think it's a control thing. And, mm-hmm. it's, and that's part of letting go of the perfection, is letting go of that control a little. Mm-hmm. Um, the people will do it. It might not be exactly the same way you would do it, but right. it will get done. Right. Of course, I believe my way is better, but I have to let go of that too. <laughs> Because at the end of the day, it's about the end result. Right. It's the end result being achieved. And I'm not so grumpy, which is great. Um, but also, it's not good for me as an organization for me to burn, burn out. Right. I have some... I, I love what we do. I love 
and it sounds cheesy, but I love how I get to see how we change lives. We truly do change lives. Talk about that a little, because I, I don't know if our listeners really understand or know what Swazo Center does. Right. So, I mean, we, because I talked about economic development, but what that means is we teach people how to start business and how to stay in business. Mm. We provide them... Um, I really love that that part of how to stay. stay. Because the fun, I call it the fun part, the easy part, is starting. A lot of businesses start every day. If you're still in business after 10 years, that's what really mm-hmm. means something. Mm-hmm. Um, because people start every day, but are you successful? Are you staying in business? Are you growing? Are you expanding? That's what really is the difference. But nobody ever talks about that. Right. Everything is thrown at startups. But it's actually staying in business that what matters. Um, so like for example, one of, one of our clients, um, 48 year old man, um, had a stroke. Um, he thought he was done for. He was like, I will not provide, I will be a burden to my family. Right. I will not provide to my family. So as therapy, he actually started needing bread, part of his physical therapy for his arm to recuperate from the stroke. Well, that needing bread turned into a business. So we helped them to get started actually to be able to sell that bread from home. So we established for him to have that approval from the Department of Agriculture, set everything up, then uh, work out a deal with FedEx so that he could be shipped from there. Wow. And then get into a business to market, to grow, to have systems. He's now selling to five different states. Wow. So not only is he not a burden to his community, it got so big he actually needed a commercial space. It's no longer his home. Wow. So um, it's, it goes back to the individual. He was able to, first of all, feel like he can still contribute to his family. His family is better for it. His community is better for it. Um, he hires people hmm. to help him. So now their families are better. Right. Uh, and that's just part of it. Our focus really is on ensuring people are able to feed their families. And this is where the light goes back into their eyes. They're no longer defeated. Our goal is to end cycles of poverty. Mm-hmm. We want them, we raise expectations, and we take them by the hand and show them how. But it's them. It's them doing it. We are just a willing partner to show them the way. But they have to be willing, too. This is one of my most important lessons that I, I feel like many of these podcasts come back to but it is this like it's about the relationships that we build and it's about the the joining of both having support and challenge right in order to become your full purposeful meaningful self right i think that's something really interesting because just because you're bringing that up right like here you are running this nonprofit that is helping people become entrepreneurs and in their businesses so Normally, we'd be talking just about the business, and yet we're talking about families. And and so, and one of the things that I'm really interested about in terms of having this podcast at all is, is how um, our society often separates us. Like there's our home life and our work life, and they're different. Mm-hmm. And you're automatically talking about the your people. clients as whole people, right? Their parents, their community members, their business owners, their like their their full Flesh people. people. <laughs> Right. And and that and they bring all of it to all of it. Mm-hmm. I love that you do that. I think that we don't do that enough. Well, and that's 
I think that's what makes us different. Um, but, and this is what we have this specific niche. And we have, this is the our niche that we have always done. We mm-hmm. have always focused on minorities. We our clients have probably seen us too needy, but most of the other organizations. But that's okay. They're, we'd rather spend that time, that one-on-one time, getting into things. If they have that solid foundation and they understand it, they thrive. Yeah. So. What's interesting is, uh, so we're a business resource center, but we operate like a community center. People are always welcome to come back. This is what we've been in existence for 17 years. I will still have somebody come in that came in 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Hmm. They want to grow their business. They want to look at next level. They're bringing their kids with them. That's what's been fascinating is to now, because we've been around in the community long enough, we're starting to see the kids of the first generation of clients. Yeah, that's lovely. They're coming in because that's where my parents went. That's lovely. This is the place to go. And I'm um, ready to start my business. I'm now. ready to start my business. So this is the place to go because you help me. You help my dad. You help my mom. Uh, and this is a lot of pe- people walking through the door is really that kind of word of mouth. Um, but we do things differently. We teach them and we and this is where the cultural competency the being by culture helps there's things I understand that are different they're not good or bad they're just different mm-hmm. and, and that's also we there's no judgment it's just an understanding that this is a system here and it's different from there right so let's just learn let's just learn it, it it's just how you know when in Rome kind of deal this mm-hmm. is just how Rome works <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I'm interested in talking a little bit about um, the role that community plays in your life <laughs> and how you prioritize things about that. You know, like you're a... I, I laugh because I got lost in the community once and not longer lost. What, what, tell me what that means. Um, so one interesting thing is as a, as a minority person there seems to be this concept of leadership that you're a leader you're like like in terms like a prominent person yeah if you made any name for yourself right that you have to be this leader but the last thing i want to do is actually be a leader in just a minority community but i used to be pegged that way Hmm. and it's something that actually motherhood broke me out of oh that's interesting um because I put the community, this whole... Because when we talk about community, it's like this big group of people that are dependent on you. Mm-hmm. You can get lost in that fairly quickly. Right. And, and both in terms of your, your perceived importance to right. that community. Right. Um, your perceived importance to that community and to yourself. Because mm-hmm. I think it's, it could be, you could get lost in the ego fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, does it really matter? Are you really making a difference? No. But you sure look good in those pictures. But nothing, and, and this is and this is the um, the achiever in me. I don't have patience for that. I don't like the pictures. I want what did we do? What was accomplished? Mm-hmm. You know, the action. The action. Many of our listeners might say, "Wow, I, I mean, what a what a fascinating life that you've created. You have this 
uh, you're running a, a big nonprofit, you're active in your community, you have great friends, you have a wonderful child, you're, like you have all of these things. What advice would you give to them about prioritization in order to do all the things that you do or live this life that you have? Um, learn to say no. <laughs> That's that's so hard to do. Yeah, learn to say. Like I said, um, do you have I, advice on how to do that? Um, this is gonna sound funny. It's okay to be selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's harder for women because we are taught from an early age to put everyone else above you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know being comfortable with not being perfect and saying no I could sit in more boards but it doesn't help me I'm more choosy about I'm also more choosy about who I surround myself with Um, where's my energy spent Mm -hmm. there's always work you could work 80 hours a week there will always be work there's always busyness the question is what are you looking to accomplish this week so usually what I do is, um, what I try to do is I actually set goals for on Sunday. I sit down and be like, what do I want to walk away from this week? Hmm. What are the three things that if they're done, I'm happy with? That's great. That need to be done. That I will, that I'll be like, that was a good week. I could have meetings every day throughout the day. Nothing will get done. Right. You can have 50 things on that list, but if you prioritize, what are the top three? Right. So not only that, what are the top three things that will actually move the organization forward? Mm -hmm. I could do many things at Swasso that I don't because the highest value for me for the organization is to fundraise. I could teach. I could do marketing. Right. I could do all sorts of things. But nothing happens without money. Right. So my focus is the to actually be the leader the organization needs me to be and to let go of things that, yes, I could do. I probably could do them really well, but it doesn't benefit the organization. And those are the three goals that benefit the organization for me to accomplish for that week. Right, right. And that's also letting go of that. I could, I, I could do all sorts of jobs but what is my job Mm -hmm. then the other thing too it's this is something I talk to my staff all the time until I ask them there's some especially when we had a new staff or sometimes when we have a staff recruit I ask them what's my job can you tell me what's my job what do I do wow how do they answer to bring in money can you say then good I'm doing the right to bring in money and to have the right partners Correct. <laughs> and what's the goal? To serve our clients. So we may have different roles, but we all have this understanding that we step up where we need to step up. Mm-hmm. If it means somebody being at the front desk, no matter what their job is, including me, and that's what needs to happen, that's what happens. Right. It, we have to serve our clients. But we do have expectations about each role right right that's great so clarity is super important right in order to appropriately prioritize right but the the reason why I tell them that 
it's not only for them to know, but for them to remind me. All right, so another question I have is, as you know, I am personally really passionate about the role of mentors in our lives. Mm -hmm. Have you had a particular mentor that was important to you? I probably has ha have had a few mentors that have come throughout my professional life in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of lessons have there's you learned? There's, there's different mentor types. There's the positive ones and there's the negative ones. Yeah, that you learn from. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so the negative mentors are the ones where I learn what not to do. Mm -hmm. That's also important. It is. It is, absolutely. Which is funny, but I actually do take that as... Um, something I take into account. Um, I have had a lot of mentors. I'm also never been shy about seeking out mentors. Mm -hmm. um, I know what I don't know and I'm okay with it and I will look for the person that will know it mm. whichever way it is. Right. Um, and that's it. I, um, I'm very happy not, I don't have to be the expert in all things. But I just need to know the expert in that thing. Right. You know how to find the expert. Right. Um, I have had different role, different mentors where some of them were bosses. Um, some of them were peers. Um, I love that. I, I think there's people underestimate the peer mentoring a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually the strongest, more, uh, and the one that stays with you yeah the most impactful type of mentoring Huge. can often be right that peer network um to have people that support you the whole circle of support around you and you it's and it's a little bit of a balance is really what will help you succeed mm -hmm. one because sometimes you need to vent two sometimes it's like am i crazy or sometimes you need somebody to tell you yeah you are being crazy <laughs> But it takes a while to create that. Uh, and to allow for that. Yeah, yeah. And to be able to hear it. Right. People talk about having mentoring circles or your own personal board of directors, mm -hmm. but, but being intentional about finding those people in your right. life is an important part of success. Right. Thank you to Sylvia for her candor and thoughtfulness. If you want to connect with Sylvia, you can find her on LinkedIn. If you're interested in the incredible work she does at Suazo Business Center, you can learn more at suazocenter.org or by following them on social media. Next week, I will be joined by Dr. Gary Danes. Gary is the Provost and Vice President of Academic Affairs at Barton College. He holds a PhD in American history with a focus on the history of efforts to build and strengthen community. Next week, we'll be discussing trust. Join us. As always, thank you for listening to 92,000 Hours. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. We really appreciate your support. If you're interested in integrating the personal and professional through authentic conversation, just like you heard on our episode today, please check out our work at Connection Collaborative. You can find us at connectioncollaborative.com 
or send me an email at annalisa at connectioncollaborative.com. Thank you and see you next week on 92,000 Hours. Ninety-two thousand hours is made possible by Connection Collaborative. This episode was produced and edited by Brianna Stegel. Lexi Banks is our marketing director, and I'm your host, Annalisa Holcomb.